welcome to episode 94 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I go on a cooperative adventure, battling thieving pirates and avoiding giant sandworms, all while trying to predict what Tim Apple has up his sleeves. It's showtime, what else can you say? <laughs> yeah. And interesting, so... I don't even remember what episode number it was, but we just talked about Apple's next event, which is going to be about Apple News and their Apple television streaming service. And so on Monday, 325 at 10 a.m. Pacific, it's official. Apple's going to have the event. It's They sent out invites with the tagline simply, it's showtime. And, you know, in the past, we've gone over like intimate details and kind of dive into hints and stuff but it turns out i guess apple was tired of that or our department was on vacation but all it is is a black screen with white lettering saying it's showtime with the apple logo in white i understand part of that it's kind of reminiscent of the theater you know black screen but it's a little disappointing in terms of apple's usual flair for invites well, I guess in the actual email, they did have like an animated GIF of the the little countdown, like spinning numbers going down, then showing the Apple logo. So it looked kind of like the opening of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's all black and white. Uh, but I guess it's kind of reminiscent of the movies. So, yeah, why not? And... I mean, we went over it pretty much ad nauseum, but we'll kind of do a quick recap here. So first, we expect there's going to be new Apple News service, which will hopefully be around $9.99 a month. It's going to be built on Apple's acquisition of the app Texture, which was a whole magazine subscription service. And this is going to tie those in. You know, you have your People Magazine, Sports Illustrated, all that kind of good stuff. And then it's going to infuse in New York Times, Washington Post, and, you know, traditional newspapers all into one app for one service through Apple News, and we'll get to see how many companies Apple got on board with this service. Yeah, I mean, the $10 a month makes perfect sense because there already are competitors in this space that are out there. I mean, there's Kindle Unlimited, Amazon's thing, but that doesn't really have magazines. That's mostly books, but they're $10 a month. Then you have this Magster with a Z uh, that's $10 a month, and that you have access to about 5,000 magazines. And then there's Readly that's $10 a month for unlimited access to like a little over 3,000 magazines and 75,000 back issues of magazines. So It's kind of, there's that precedence there of that $10 a month price tag. And so Apple will be kind of smart to stick near that. But who knows? It's Apple. They might add on an Apple tax and charge you $12 a month. Who knows? Yep. But that's pretty kind of by the book, straightforward. It's leaked enough that we have a pretty good understanding and basis for that. But Apple's TV streaming service is more of an enigma because there's a few directions they can go. The most obvious path is just a direct... Netflix competitor with Apple original programming. They have about a couple dozen shows in progress or in the works planned over the next couple years. So we understand that idea. And then you could have a similar pricing. You know, Netflix starts at $8.99 for the basic. If you want HD, it goes up to $12.99. 4K is up to $15.99. So you have different pricing tiers based on quality. But the content is going to be king and the big differentiator because you're also dealing with Hulu's original programming, Amazon Prime original programming, of course, HBO, Showtime, Stars, and then the network TV. So you have that competition. And then the real question is, does Apple expand beyond that? Are they going to have Hulu type of offering where you have, you know, next day items that are on cable and network TV? Are you going to have more Amazon Prime offerings where it's back catalog? You know, you have old HBO shows like The Wire and Sopranos and stuff like that. Are you going to go with Netflix to emphasize your original programming, but then have a lot of old, older movies and older TV shows that you can binge and catch up on with your favorites? So those are the whole kind of question marks right there. And then if they do that, we have another pricing tier, which is kind of around the 10 to $15 range. And that's easy to wrap your head around. Right, and well, one last thing that they could do is maybe they only offer their own individual programming, but then offer some kind of way to bundle in like a subscription to 
HBO or some other service for a slightly reduced price than if you were going to do it separately. We've seen that with some of these other streaming services where you can add on something. So, like, I think Netflix has the the option to add on uh, CBS All Access or or may, I forget, maybe that's Hulu. I don't remember. One of them offers that. But so they could go that route, too, where they partner with these, maybe they don't have their programming within their offering, but they give you a way to subscribe to these other services in conjunction with theirs at some kind of a bundled rate. And really, that doesn't change anything. You know, if Apple goes that way, it's just them putting their stake into something that a whole bunch of other people are doing, and I don't think that's even going to be successful. But if they then, you know, that's the bare minimum that's the most likely alternative or option that Apple's going to go with. But, of course, there's always the potential Apple actually releases a competitor for Hulu Live TV, Sling TV, DirecTV Now, AT&T Anywhere, PlayStation View, YouTube TV. You know, there's all these, like, plans out there that are about $35 a month which lets you watch live TV. And then Apple could then incorporate their own original programming to kind of distinguish it. But that's unlikely even though that would probably be a more appealing option to kind of try to be all in one and then of course the third option which we've hoped for and we kind of wanted with that standalone tv app is something to kind of just bring everything together because just having an apple tv service on top of already being subscribed to netflix and hulu and amazon and hbo go and all these different streaming services that's just something else to add on or maybe replace you know a current subscription you know it's a competition rather than having this oh i want to watch you know umbrella academy and it takes me without leave you know to the netflix app it just brings it into the tv app i don't have to go over to the netflix app or say i want to watch this new jj abrams show available on Apple's thing. It's right with here. Or I'm going to watch Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. It's right within one app rather than bouncing around to these different apps. So I'm always hopeful just Apple could be the one to solve the streaming dilemma right now, which is having a million apps, a dozen different subscriptions, bouncing you all across different menus and platforms and streaming services. Yeah, I, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think we're getting that. I would be surprised if we're getting another like a YouTube TV competitor that setup. But then again, I'm almost wondering that's why we haven't heard anything that it is going to be something that big and different. Otherwise, I, I would have thought we would have heard rumors of just if it was just an Apple thing that we would have something would have leaked out. But maybe where they have like. A much bigger thing that they've kept it under wraps but i, I don't know it, this is one of probably the most interesting uh events that they've had in a while just because it could be groundbreaking or it could be just completely dumb and useless yeah so if apple just goes here's our new news thing is ten dollars a month Here's our new TV thing. We have a few dozen shows for you to watch. It's about $12, 12 to $15 a month. That's the event. We hope you enjoyed. That's going to be super disappointing. And I, I don't even know what's the point of having an event. That's like press release worthy. They could actually kind of try to change the current broken system of TV because that's what it is right now. There's great TV across all these different providers and platforms, but it's just a hassle to bounce between them all and pay all these different little nickel and dime bundled packages. You know, we used to just pay 120 bucks. You can switch over from CBS to NBC to ABC to AMC. Super easy. You know, it's a number on the little remote. Now you're bouncing around through these different apps. And guess what? As soon as you go to that app, you have to go through five menus just to get to what you want to watch. It's like, oh, well, plus let me it's tap a different interface. Yeah, it's just insane how we currently have it. So. Apple could go with that groundbreaking, changing the way TV is and redefining TV because it's not great right now. As much as we were promised that a la carte was going to be the future and it was going to make cord cutting this brilliant, awesome idea, it hasn't really turned out like that so far. I don't know if a company will step up to do it. Apple's probably the one that has just the big enough audience to be able to do it, but I, I just don't know if this event's going to be it. I can hope, but I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy if it was either 
what we really want, which we just described, or one of these competitor services. Anything less than that, and I think this is a waste of time. Like, it's really, unless Apple comes up with some amazing original content, I don't, or, or it's dirt cheap to subscribe, or you get it free because you have an Apple TV or an Apple device, then it really doesn't, nothing there is compelling to me. Right, if they make it free with an Apple device, which is another pricing tier we haven't talked about, that gets a lot of people to watch their shows, and maybe they have fewer shows and they care about quality rather than quantity, and just get people invested in Apple and what they can potentially produce. But I, I still don't think that's event-worthy. That's something you tell, you know, you have a little pop-up on everybody's iPhones or iPads. You just send out push notifications from the TV app, and say, look at all these new shows you can watch. Yeah, true, true. Oh, and then again, they tend to do that now with hardware. They just send out a press release and, hey, we got this new hardware, it's out. Yeah. We didn't bother to tell you any other way, but yeah. And then there is the potential of a bundle option where you can sign up for Apple's TV programming, Apple's news offering, and incorporate Apple Music for just this one all-in-one Apple bundle price. I, I have no idea what they could price that at based on Apple Music being 10, News being 10, and TV being 15. I don't know if $35 for News, Music, and TV is much of a selling point, but Apple could offer that too. Well, I, I guess, I mean, if they offered a bundle and then included all the music and the news, and it was a more comprehensive TV service, I think that's a, a, a killer there. That could kill all of these other markets if they were able to somehow finagle that. But if it's just, yeah, just like here's our original programming kind of set up, then yeah, it's maybe knock some money off to make it a, a bundle price. Yeah, it's 30 instead of 35, yeah. Yeah, and maybe people would go for that, but I don't know. Unless you're already invested in two of the three services or, or one of maybe just Apple Music, maybe that's enough to get you to, to try out the other options. But I, I don't know. This is really the linchpin. This whole TV service, what it is, is going to be the big thing to whether Apple succeeds in this space or not. If they could make a competitor to Sling TV or, you know, DirecTV Now, YouTube TV, any of those that incorporates Apple Music and Apple News, that is a killer feature. That's something that Spotify can't compete with on the music side and something that all these TV people can't compete with on the music and news side. So that could definitely be a solid offering, especially if it's reasonably priced, built into all your Apple TV and iPads and iPhones already. Right. I, I have a feeling if they do do something like that, you're going to see Spotify rushing to partner with one of these other services. Mm -hmm. and Or they're going to reach out to Spotify to say, look, we want to include you in our service. Now here's DirecTV Now with Spotify. And so DirecTV Now, actually, they just announced this week that they're raising their prices by $10 a month. So now they're up. Now they include HBO, but they're up by $10 a month. So... I, there's all these kind of movement in the space where it just seems like this is the perfect time for Apple to finally strike. They've delayed too long. Th that's the space they need to go after if they're going to take over any kind of market. And I think I'm hoping that that's kind of what this is. You know, speaking of which, actually today Spotify Premium now includes Hulu for no extra cost. That was the big announcement oh, it this does. morning. Yeah, and so is Spotify like preempt? you know, preemptive strike against what Apple could do and just thinking that they're going to do a simple Hulu or Netflix competitor. It, it, it's, that's really interesting in its own right. Because, you know, Spotify has to guess themselves. Right. Uh, true. Yeah, I didn't even see that news. But yeah, that's crazy. So, that, I mean, that would fit right in where if Apple is going to bundle something with their Apple Music, if they could have some kind of a TV competitor that's big enough with Hulu, like maybe they have their original content, but then, yeah, they go for like the the all of the older stuff although hulu does offer their premium thing where you have live tv and actual channels yeah, it's so, the live tv you know oh it's the live tv one. Oh, okay. no i'm saying that's the hulu differentiator this is the 5.99 hulu plan that you can sign up well you know by yourself oh, okay. okay that's what they're including for spotify premium so yeah. apple would need a difference they would need a competitor to the 35 dollars version of hulu not the six dollar version of hulu right right 
I mean, I got Hulu for 99 cents a month in their Black Friday yeah, that's sale what I last have. year. So Yeah, that's what I got. I got my one year of it, and I still haven't watched nearly enough stuff. Uh, I, there's stuff I still need to watch before I lose my subscription. But, I mean, at 99 cents a month, that's no big deal that Spotify Premium is including it for $10. You know, they found oh, right, the yeah. cheapest one. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. And there's commercials in that. So right. that's another thing. If Apple does offer something... Would they add some kind of other method of like ads or commercials or something? Or is this all going to be commercial free content that they have on there? That's a whole nother question mark. There's so many, you know, Apple, for as many potential deals as they had to make to create the original programming and potentially work with CBS and Disney and Universal to get this done. It's pretty much kept pretty secretive. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed at how, how little we know at this point. Yep. And so, I mean, that's pretty much the Apple news. Again, Monday, March 25th, 10 a.m. Pacific. You can watch right along with all of us and find out exactly what Apple has in store. Yep. And then it's time for some apps because the App Store is not waiting around for March 25th to do stuff. And the first app we're going to talk about is the Funko app. And so if our listeners aren't familiar, Funko creates pop vinyl figures. They're a little collectible that span the gamut from star wars marvel dc pretty much any license you could possibly think of funko pretty much now makes makes a pop version of it and the app allows you to keep track of your collection as well as set up a wish list of future pops you might want to collect and as a little history for someone who does collect pops there was two competing services that offered third-party pricing that kind of tracked ebay sales as people resell these collectible figures for way more than retail price and so one was stashpedia which was a standalone app available from the app store as well as google play and then there's pop price guide pop price guide was around longer it has a bigger history a bigger catalog of items and it's only on the web so funko acquired the stashpedia app and they have rebranded it now as this funko app and then they're incorporating the pricing from Pop Price Guide. So it kind of combines both of them into this one standalone thing. But if you have ever collected a Funko Pop in your life, you know, whether it's one Superman Pop or a thousand various Pops, you can now track them all right with the Funko app. Yeah, so I, I don't have that many Pops. I know you have a heck of a lot more Pops, and my twin brother has an insane number of Pops. I just have a few. Although, so I entered in... At work, I have basically my five Goonies Pops and the Target Dog and the Target Lady. And nice. I put all those in there in this app. Just I was curious to see what it says they're worth. And now I'm a little nervous I'm leaving like $350 worth of Pops sitting out <laughs> on my desk at work. It, it makes me a little paranoid that, that they're worth that much. But then again, I just like to have them out and, and look at them. I don't think anyone knows if they're worth that much money. But uh Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see. Uh, I and it's a it's a nicely laid out app for being able to add, add things to your wish list and see how much they would cost you if you really wanted to try to track this thing down. Granted, you may or may not be able to find it for cheaper, especially if you don't care if it's in mint condition. If you're someone who pulls it out and doesn't really care about the box, but it, it's uh, initially in the first download I had, I, there was some issues with the searching, but they just pushed out an update and the searching is much better it's still a little awkward sometimes sometimes it pulls in too many results sometimes you have to be really particular about what you type in there for it to search on like i couldn't just type the word goonies i had to type the goonies and then it found it if i type goonies i couldn't find anything so uh, it's still a little weird but it's definitely much much better with this latest update that was just pushed Right, the update definitely helps search because previously if you searched Iron Man, it would find all apps that are iron and all apps that had man rather than specifically, or all pops that had man. And so that's improved, but they still need to include, you know, that sort feature on the front page. You can sort by recent editions and, you know, find out what's just brand new coming out. In the search, you can't do that. So say you search Batman, it brings up, it doesn't necessarily bring up the Batman that just came out in March 2019. It brings out ones that came out in 2012 or whatever the case may be so hopefully they fix that but also speaking of the search you can scan in barcodes on the boxes of the pops to quickly add them to your collection so that's just a pretty neat feature and then also if you're more in tune to like new and upcoming rather than the older pops that you can no longer get 
you can see like Emerald City Comic Con is coming up and there's going to be pops specific to the show, but they're also going to be shared with retailers like GameStop and Hot Topic and Target and Walmart. And you can just tap on these individual pops and see that, oh, look, it's going to be a GameStop. So I don't have to worry. You don't have to find, you know, Instagram posts or lists online. It's all right here within the Funko app. Yeah, the one other thing about search that I'll mention is it doesn't let you search on the number. So if you know it's like pop number 90 or pop number 75, granted that's in a certain category, uh, it, if you type in that number, it's not going it, to, nothing gets returned if you type in a number, which right. the, the, I, I don't know if that's just because of the way they're searching and it would have pulled in too many results by searching on numbers, but uh, I wish they would add that. Uh, to be allowed to search by the actual number if you happen to know it. I think it's because their numbering is so messed up. If you went through, you'd see that Star Wars 222 has duplicates just because they... they oh, That's just something they do. Fungo oh, messes okay. that up all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, but also, the Discover tab is worth mentioning just because it has specific areas. Like, you can find all TV apps or Target exclusive or Marvel specific or Harry Potter or maybe they're a flocked or metallic version. You have all these specific pre-determined uh, sorts that you can quickly try to find things that you already have or things that you might want to track down in the future. Yeah, like especially like the chase figures. If you really wanted to, you can just search for chase figures to find those. Yep. So that's the Funko app. It's definitely not perfect. It feels almost kind of like a beta at the moment but they're working on it and you can give them feedback and again if you collect pops it's going to be the best destination to keep track of what you have and what you are going to want right yeah especially if that scanning that's super easy to quickly add things i did use that to add stuff yep so that's funko app it's free i think it's iphone only at the moment not sure uh i'm not sure but i'm sure you can throw it up on the ipad regardless even if it's 2x mode yeah. And so that means it's time for some new games. And the first one, Brett and I actually got to play it together. It's called TikTok A Tale for Two. And it's designed to play co op where it doesn't use online connectivity to emphasize the co op. And instead, it wants you to use, you know, phone call or texting or any kind of messaging to essentially let each person tell what they see on screen because it's a point and click a puzzle adventure game where half of the clues are going to be on one person's device and half of the clues are going to be on another person's device so you'll go from location to location and you'll get a few clues and tidbits and tell that to the other person and then they can recite those and connect them to what they have and then in turn give you their clues and you try to piece it all together so you can both move on through the different sections of the game Right, and even though you are kind of working each on your own version of the puzzles, it does feel like stuff you do affects the other person. It almost feels like you're playing in real time. So without giving any real huge spoilers away, there's one point where I mail something and then Trevor received the thing that I mailed. And even though they were like, we're playing completely separate games it just because things line up and the way you unlock things and solve the puzzles it feels like we're interacting with one another even though we really aren't in in all reality but it's just a really cool concept the way they've they've done this and it almost at times it gave me kind of like that similar feeling of solving like an escape room together so like i had might have been looking over at this part and i had some clues but you needed the information that i had in order to solve this other part of the puzzle for us to then meet some common goal and then move on to the next in this case the next chapter of the game uh in but normally in like a escape room you'd be moving on to like the next the next room yeah actually escape room is a good analogy like it doesn't focus that much on puzzles it's more story-based but just the idea where you're contingent upon the other person and you have to work together to move on because you can't see any part of the screen like even to get the mail that brett sent me he has to give me a specific like a uh, compass coordinates for me to put into the post office box so i can actually open the box and get the key and so i can't the box doesn't mean anything to me when i'm looking at it without the clues from brett and it's just really interesting how well designed the puzzles are that they're so uh just really well crafted to create that whole 
you're within this story of this whole clock idea and time movement and all that kind of interesting ideas. And then you work in real time, even though you don't use online like connectivity. Because they've had a bunch of co-op games available on the App Store. But all of them, you know, you both use Bluetooth to connect locally or use online multiplayer connectivity. It always focuses on that. This game was designed in such a way that it doesn't need that, but you can both move on together in the same at the same time. Right, yeah, you don't have any of that lag because of, like, lacking a connection. Like, you have... I can be playing on an iOS device. You could be playing even on like a, a Steam device, a Steam PC, or you could be playing on Android. And so everyone can be playing on their own different type of device and you don't have to worry about lag or internet. You can just make a phone call and everyone's kind of working on their own thing and you'll you'll come to points where you're stopped, but it's only because you need a clue from the other player and so now you gotta wait for them to maybe solve part of theirs and you're just exchanging information back and forth trying to like whittle through this puzzle together and like oh no maybe you gotta go check this area or do you have this on your screen what do you see and so you're just doing a lot of descriptive back and forth and you can I, I see where you could use like texting if you wanted to i think it was much better with us sitting there talking it out in real time just with a phone call like we used facetime audio but you could do anything you could use skype you could just make a normal phone call uh what it does tell you is to make the call first and then start the game for the sound uh, to work. We did have some issues with the the sound was constantly cutting out, uh, for not on our phone call, but in the actual game. And I don't know. We were using a test flight build, so I don't know if it's resolved in a, in the final release. But we did have a few issues while playing. So it was crashing a bit on my iPad Pro, uh, my I have the original iPad Pro, and we had some. I know my sound kept on going out. I, I don't know about yours, but. Uh, that was an issue, but otherwise, like, when it was working, it, it was a really fun and unique experience. Right, I know you crashed a few times. It was crashing for me when I was on my phone and doing the call at the same time. When I switched to just have the call on my phone and then play on my iPad, I didn't have that problem. So hopefully they're working on it. You know, that's just kind of back-end code things that they can update and quick fix, so it's not that important, at least if you give some patience and time to the game. It's really the concept and the execution is just really well done to make for an enjoyable puzzle adventure game where you just take more into account on the scene because you have to put it into your own words what you're seeing. So you're looking at a screen, you both go into the same, you know, office space or whatever, and you're both seeing a completely different version of that screen. So you have to describe it so the other person could potentially pick up clues from your room that maybe you're not seeing because they have, you know, oh, I'm missing this or I can see that this is going to be area of need. And so when you start describing it, oh, I can fit this into here. And it's just, it gives you more kind of care and detail of taking in everything in the surroundings. Like if this was a single player game, you you know, you, you don't have to worry about describing it. You can focus that old just on the puzzle so this is a, just a different way to think about something right i think it makes you because you're so looking at everything and taking everything i mean it's a, a slightly longer experience i would say it probably takes between 90 minutes to two hours to to go through if you were just a single player you might be able to fly through this thing because you know exactly you have all the information right there but because you have to spend that back and forth time i think it ends up making a, a fuller experience uh the one thing with that though is you will have to have two copies of the game if you're within the same family and you're each on your own device and you have family sharing and you can each download the app on your own devices, then you only need the one copy. But if it is someone who's going to be remote that doesn't share your same iTunes account, then uh, you will need to, each person will have to have a copy of the game uh, in order to play. But they do, um, if you are just a, a single person, you don't have someone that you know that you'd want to play, I know that they do have some Discord servers set up where uh, you can go there to try to find someone to play with. So then you would just have to coordinate with them in order to say, like, I'm going to be the first player, you're going to be the second player, and let's start playing and, and try it out. So you can kind of, if you're only a single person, you can, there are ways to find other people playing the game so you could try it out. Yep. 
that's definitely worth a good uh, item to note. So that's TikTok, A Tale for Two. It's two ninety nine and it's universal. And then there's Scorcher, which comes from Radiant Games. We've talked about quite a few games from them in the past. And this kind of fits in that idea of they're more action. Because they do these really intense action games, a lot of dual stick shooters. And then they do more of these like methodical puzzle games. So this falls onto the action side of things. And it's not the most revolutionary game you've seen. You've probably played this style. You know, it almost copies the follow the path or stay on the line kind of idea where you put your finger on screen and you slide it back and forth to have this little ship weave through a canyon pass. And in that canyon, there's going to be these little stand sharks that you can kind of collect and destroy, and those will help repair your ship. And then there's these big, like, tremor-style worms that you need to avoid. And then as you go, you'll face mines and other difficulties. And you can lift your finger off the screen while sliding to jump. And it's a relatively simple concept, again, that we've seen before, but it's really engaging. Just the pace and speed that they put on there keeps you constantly engaged on the screen. And then there's always something to do. So you have the core idea that the, there's a constant switchback that you're swerving through. And then you have those little sand sharks to collect. And then as you're, you know, you're focusing on both things. And then that big, huge worm comes. And then you focus on that. And it just always keeps your attention as you're speeding along. Great speed, but it doesn't ever feel overwhelmingly difficult they nailed that difficulty curve yeah i think i think i read that they had kind of done it some tweaking after the first release because i think people were having struggling with the speed of things it, it does speed up as you go so as you go you get this little thing it says speeding up and really it's those segments with those giant like Trevor's is immediately what I thought of too. Those giant worms. That that's where I really love this game because you're kind of winding through this really narrow path, and this worm is going in and out of the sand, and he's going kind of left and right. So he's not leaving you a lot of room. So you have to keep on jumping over him sideways in order to kind of find some free space but then you also have to avoid where maybe you're coming into a turn you have to kind of avoid hitting the wall as well so you have to jump and also be cognizant of which way the the path is swerving so you're not bumping into walls and destroying your ship at the same time as you're avoiding the worm and if you hit him you destroy your ship so there's all this stuff you have to kind of manipulate over and jumping and kind of getting that timing just right in order to not die and be able to progress further in the game so I, that's where i i think it really excels in those segments the issue that i had was because it's all randomized you might go a really long segment of just kind of going through the motions of going through the track and picking up the sand sharks before you'll hit one of those worms. And sometimes that's a nice break. Like if you just went through an intense worm segment, then maybe it's nice to have a little break. But when you first start off, sometimes it can be a little while of just navigating before you even run into one of those. I wish that would speed up a little bit and you kind of were guaranteed a worm within the first amount of time. Uh, but otherwise, it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, yeah, it is something that we have seen before, but I think just like the whole theme of it was a nice change. Yeah. Just really the pacing is what got to me. Like I didn't play it before it was updated, but what they have now is really well done. And even those sequences without the worms, like you said, it seems like it swerves enough. I feel like Hugo weaving where I'm weaving through all the different challenge sections because <laughs> <laughs> it really, you know, it goes back and forth, but it's not these extreme zigzags where it's just enough where your finger feels like it's in the groove. It's not like you're, you know, testing your dexterity to stretch your finger across the screen. It just feels really well put together for your finger to be able to maneuver through the switchbacks and then there's four different regions total so every time you score 8,000 in a given region you unlock the next one and then as you play in the next one you can unlock the challenge mode of the previous region which lets you play as the sandworm and your goal is to simply devour the sand sharks as many as you can in two minutes so you get to also play as the big giant worm you know beetlejuice worm tremor worm as well as just piloting your ship through the canyons. Yeah, those the the curves that the way they set it up is perfect. I I I totally agree with you there because they don't feel so narrow that it feels cheatingly difficult 
to be able to navigate it, but they're narrow enough that it doesn't feel super easy. You still have to focus and go through it, but you don't feel so overwhelmed that it just doesn't feel fair. And I think they completely nailed that and it feels so smooth as you're kind of coasting around and hitting each one of those curves and and staying within the walls of the of the tunnel you're going through yep so that's scorcher it's 2.99 it's universal and so next up is pirates outlaws and yes pirates is plural probably because pirate outlaws was already taken on the app store so again pirates outlaws and regardless of the name the game is a turn-based strategy idea where you're riding on a pirate ship and you try to make it from the bottom of the map to the top with all these little points of interest along the way. And the travel between each spot is going to cost a certain amount of power. You have 100 power and you try to make it to the end through with that 100 power. And then a lot of these stops are going to be battles. So there's going to be some taverns and things where you can buy new abilities, but a lot of them are going to be battle-based. And it's a little bit like Meteor Fall where you have a whole card deck and those cards are going to give you special power or essentially any kind of abilities to fight other pirates. So it might be just a single shot with your gun, or you can create a barricade, wooden shield, double shot, chain shot, all these different things, but you have a certain amount of ammo. So you start the game with three ammo, and then each turn you gain one ammo, but one of your cards could be ammo to replenish it. So a more a more powerful ability might cost more ammo. So you have to balance that as you're going into these battles, because you have 50 health, and the opponents you face are going to become more and more difficult of different pirates. And it's all about, you know, just playing the right cards at the right time to defeat your enemies. And if there's multiple enemies, taking out the stronger enemies before you focus on the weaker enemies, and just constantly keeping that balance to keep yourself alive to make it through the end of the map. Yeah, so it's set up as this deck-building roguelike. So you have an initial set of cards based on... So you have one character at the start of the game, and that character has a certain deck of starting cards, and then he has uh, a special ability. So the one you're given, he has... His ability is to give you that one ammo at the start of each turn. So you always are going to have one ammo as you come into a a new uh, spot on the map. So you you could have one enemy you're fighting, you could have up to three enemies you're fighting. So you have a various card, those cards have varying uh, either attacks that are like ranged attacks, and those are the ones that require the ammo. So they might require one, two, or three pieces of ammo just to shoot off that one card. Or you might have a shield that also requires ammo, which that's a little, I don't know, fully understand that, but you need ammo to have a shield. And or you have what are melee attacks, which allow you to you don't need ammo for them, but they can only attack the first person or the closest person in line. So you kind of have you're at the mercy of what you're dealt. So you can be dealt all these cards that require ammo and have no ammo and you're basically out of luck. You can't play any cards and you can see exactly how much damage you're going to take because each of the characters you have to fight show you what their attack is. So you have your turn first and then if the characters are still alive, each of them does whatever damage they say they're going to do, which might be just like a one time five damage or it could be they attack twice at five damage each or maybe there's a question mark there, so you don't know how much damage they're going to do. And eventually it's revealed, and there's one guy with a giant cannon that does, I think, like 15 or 20 damage in one shot. So, Or maybe even more than that. So you're kind of out of luck if you, if you don't have enough armor or can't take them out before uh, things happen. But the way they kind of mitigate that, maybe not enough, is... As you finish each one of those levels, when you go to, like, a tavern or one of these other areas, you might have the ability, or actually at the end of each uh, battle, you have the ability to choose one card. And that card gets added into your deck and will come up. So you could choose, like, depending on maybe you have little health. So maybe one of your choices is a card that's another shield. So you might pick up another shield, or it's a relic that adds to your ability to your shield's power or adds to your attack power so you have five of these relics equipped as well and those go immediately they're always equipped once you you purchase one from your choices of of cards at these taverns and things you can use the gold you've won in battles to 
purchase extra health, or maybe you refill your, your ability to, to go further, like your ship's ability, or you can uh, upgrade cards. But those upgrades are only good during this current uh, game that you're playing. The, once you finish the game, or you die, or you beat the boss, then uh, those upgrades are gone. That's the whole roguelike aspect of it, where these aren't permanent. They're only for the current game. What you do permanently unlock is you keep on unlocking new cards. So there's like over 250 cards that you can eventually unlock, and it's those that you keep on unlocking that now you have different pools of cards that might show up. You always have that base card set of cards when you start a game based on your character, but then there'll be additional cards that'll come up based on what you've unlocked. Yeah, and that just keeps it kind of on edge. I, I like that you can always build your deck just by beating the level. You're not It's not always through coins or through the tavern, just you always can expand your deck. And that Meteor Fall comparison, it doesn't have as much depth, I don't think. This game doesn't, but I, I was feeling, I was enjoying it kind of at the same pace in the same right. You know, there's not the four starter decks to choose from based on the different classes. You have to kind of work your way into unlocking new cards from that initial pirate because there's a whole bunch of cards. There's like 250 to collect, but just the, the core concepts, the core idea, the strategy in play, it kept me engaged enough, and I always liked the pirate theme. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the game. I, I There's just a few things I think need tweaking. First off, it's a 99-cent game, and you get that one character. It, there's a lot of in-app purchases to, to purchase coins, and there's a, a, a two ninety nine in-app purchase that lets you, it will permanently double the coins that you earn, uh, But and then it gives you a pool of coins. It's going to take a lot of grinding to unlock additional characters or, or the two other maps in the game, because you don't earn the coins that fast and use them during battles in order to upgrade things and purchase things. So getting enough of the gold coins in order to unlock stuff is going to, it takes quite a while. So it feels a little cheaty that you've, you granted you only paid 99 cents for the game, but feels like I would rather have it be a slightly higher base price and have a lot, a bunch of this content already unlocked. And then maybe you just focus on replaying in order to unlock all the cards. And those are the things that will keep you coming back. Cause I want to see what new cards I can unlock and what new things are, are in these decks that maybe the cool, there's like 80 of these relics where the other relics do. Um, that was one of my main uh, complaints about the game. Other, The only other complaint I really had was it wasn't always obvious what cards were going to do. So they had their own certain terminology, and they would say what they did, and then it would say, look in the glossary. So you can pop up, you go to settings and pop up this glossary, and you can read it, but it wasn't always clear if the negative effect was going to be on you if you use the card, or the negative effect was going to be on the things you're attacking if you use this card or this relic. So I think they just need to put a little clarification in there just to make it a little bit easier to understand who it's going to be affected, maybe like a little icon or something, uh, or just something more descriptive in there, uh, and then do something to offset the luck a little more and the, that whole make you feel like you have to grind in order to just unlock everything. But otherwise, I think it's a great start to a game, and I, I'm really interested in seeing where this one goes. I'm tempted to buy that doubler for $2.99 just to see if that helps me unlock the stuff uh, faster. But then again, I'm hoping that they adjust things and I don't have to do that. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how you felt about the, uh, the, that whole aspect of the game. I just felt like it could have been a free-to-play game or it could have been a three ninety nine game, and they sat it in the middle so you have the negatives of both rather than just choosing going all in of negatives of the free-to-play or negatives of having that premium price point at the start. 
Right, right, yeah, and that's why I, agree. I feel like I mean, granted, it was only a dollar. I only spent a dollar on this, right. so like it, it wasn't that bad. But at the same point, you feel like this should have been the, because of the way it's set up a free to play game, uh, just because they kind of push you to either buy coins or spend a lot of time. There are no ads. I will say that. So you spent ninety nine cents, and you can keep on replaying, 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 and you're never going to hit ads. But uh, I just wish it was like a, a two ninety nine game and all the characters were unlocked, or at least most of the characters, so you could try them out without having to grind. Because it takes you a thousand coins just to get um, one of the characters, and then another four thousand for the next character, and then it goes up to eight thousand. So I, if you spent that two ninety nine, you could unlock two additional characters, but then you wouldn't be able to unlock the map because those are 5,000 coins. Granted, now that you have the doubler, you might be getting there faster, but I don't know. It's it's kind of an odd... It feels kind of weird. It doesn't feel like they chose a side and they kind of wanted to ride in the middle uh, so they didn't get either side upset, the people that don't want to pay for anything and the people that will pay a premium price. Uh, but in the end, I think it kind of didn't work. Yep. So that's Pirate's... Outlaws, it's 99 cents, it's universal. <laughs> and then to round out the week, we just wanted to talk about a couple of smaller games, or big feature titles, but the game itself is in the largest in scope. So the first is King of Crabs, and the second is Jaws.io. They both have that .io style where you have about 30 people playing in the same match, and it's about getting bigger and bigger to be able to defeat your opponents. And so... With King of Crabs, you start as this little crab, and then you eat smaller crabs, you become bigger. It's that total Katamari style, Donut County style. You've seen it in Hole.io, and then there's uh, Big Big Baller. And a lot of these free-to-play games are really kind of building on this idea of eating smaller things, getting bigger, to then be able to eat bigger things. And King of Crabs is really just another one, but I think it actually it got a big prominent feature. It might be the worst one yet that I've played simply because... <laughs> They they put you all in together. They just throw you in a match. They don't balance it at all. So you can buy upgrades, and you can fly right into a match where there's this gigantic crab, which is like 50 foot, and you're one foot, and they have like swords and shields and stuff, and you're just right next to them at the start. The other games that I mentioned, everyone starts as the same size, and then whoever gets the biggest the quickest wins. This game takes that out entirely, and it's like this continuous timeline where just wherever you jump in so be it and then of course you can buy an advantage yeah king of crowds was the worst like <laughs> this is so bad like i it got a huge feature and so oh this looks cool i didn't know it was an io game at first and then i loaded it up and i'm like oh great but you, like you said you get dropped right in and first off it says you need a good internet connection for this i have a great internet <laughs> connection i checked my speed it was great this thing crawls like crazy. There's so much, th so many things on the screen at once that everything kind of calls to a halt. And then I don't know if it's because you're a crab and you're walking left and right, but it just felt like you couldn't even move properly. And then you're trying to get away from these large things that they dropped you right next to when you first started. I mean, the nice thing about the the whole IO genre is, yes, it's like way overcrowded at this point. Like everyone and their brother is releasing one. But it's like back to Flappy Bird days. But they, the fact that they threw you in there against like all these other people, like the whole point of these games is to race the other people and try to grow yourself faster than they can. But this one, because you're just tossed in the mix, like you have no chance if you're depending on where you end up. If you can get away, then maybe you have a chance and maybe you can eat some small things. But people already have such a head start on you that I don't know how they can lose if they're already up there and if they bought any kind of upgrades. So it just I don't know why this was featured, why it was so popular, why it has so many good reviews, because the thing is a piece of junk. It really is like I don't understand stand it right because so i played once and then i played a second time and then you have upgrade points and i'm like oh let me upgrade my speed and my strength and all that kind of good stuff and so now when i'm going into the game i'm overpowered than other people who are just starting out already and that's just through the upgrade points so people who play more or spend more are going to be better than you 
even if you both start at the same exact point, and that's not a good game, the basis of that. Like, I like the idea that you can turbo boost out of places, but once then I can upgrade my turbo, so now I have a way greater supply, I can really dominate in that game, and it, it was super boring because I'm just devouring all kinds of crabs, and then if you see a big thing, you just dash the other way, but it just was super boring, super bland, and not a great setup when you can pay for an advantage. I mean, I can see if maybe people don't like the whole resetting from the start every time. They like to be big, and they want to spend the time growing. So drop them into a match based on their current size. If they right. paid for all these upgrades, put them in a match against people that paid for these same upgrades. Don't put them in a match against people that didn't. I, I think it's more there to just drive sales of these upgrades. People are going to be dropped in like, I can't compete, I need to buy upgrades. And I think it's just trying to get people to spend money on this really dumb game when there's so many things almost identical to it. It's just the theme of this one. And I granted the graphics were pretty decent for what it is, but it just seems like it's set up to drive sales of in-app purchases rather than have people actually have fun or be any kind of real competitive game the way it's set up. Right. And so pass on that one. But then Jaws.io, <laughs> it has the whole sea creature idea. And this one had bigger branding, so I gave this one a chance. And it is nice that you all get to start out at the same size, but it does this weird dichotomy where you can play as Jaws and then everyone else are boats and rather than other sharks. So you're not all competing to become the big King Jaws. So then I was like, maybe it's a different mode. So I try King Jaws mode and that one, it makes everyone, you actually start as a ship and you're trying to go against the sharks. And then there's a third mode where everybody's sharks, but every single mode has like a two-minute timer. So regardless of however you're doing, how well you're doing, you have to do the best within two minutes. It's not that usual .io style where you go until somebody defeats you. And so when I'm dominating everybody in this game and I win because I have the most points after two minutes, you want to keep going. Like, I'm this big, huge Jaws, and I'm just destroying these ships that are trying to shoot at me, but then the match ends. And so the problem with this one is that it ends it way too soon. So they both kind of messed up the .io style for unknown reasons. Yeah, this one also, you it felt really restricted, the area that you were allowed to move around. Oh, it's a like, little tiny map, yeah. Yeah, it's a really small map. I mean, I like the, the, the property. I thought this was going to be fun uh, just because it was Jaws. But, like, yeah, it is weird that it's, like, these super short matches and then the map is just so small that it, it just, I don't know, it felt like it left you wanting more. But then again, I didn't really want more. Like, I, I don't know. It's tough to describe. <laughs> like, I, I wish it was better than it was. But then again, it really wasn't that compelling to play. So, and you, you could just go play any number of the other ones of these. Uh, and you'd probably have a longer, better experience. But, I like, whole I.O. is still the one I go, go to if I'm going to play one of these. But... I don't know. My daughters are into paper I.O. I haven't tried that one yet. The the I.O. thing is definitely the hottest thing on the App Store, like you said. And we just wanted to mention that both of these do a pretty poor job of .io, despite the prominent name or feature that either game received. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So King of Crabs and Jaws.io are both free and universal, but there's better games we talked about this week. So come on. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's everything for episode 94. Yeah, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Fun time. Well, as we wait for whatever Apple's going to tell us. Yep. And so to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.